uh, I just want to thank Maharaj for um, <laughs> dragging me into this. Uh, he's given me the formidable task of speaking about the glories of Sri Radha during Kartik, which I must admit I feel utterly unprepared for because the subject is so vast and so deep and I am what I am. So <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll do my best. Um, I had thought to, thought to uh, arrange the, the class something like this. It was uh, first to talk a bit about uh, from the Shastras, um, primarily Ujjala Nilamani. Uh, establishing Radha's supremacy as establishing her position relative to all the other gopis and relative to all of Krishna's um, lovers of various types and, and talk a little bit about how she's the embodiment of all the different types of heroines and whatnot. So was, that'll be the first class. And, and then if we get that far, uh, I want to go into... Um, Uchvalini Nilamani in chapter four has a really beautiful description of her and her, her 12 ornaments and 16 accoutrements and things like that. We'll kind of read through that and whatnot. Um, I don't know how much commentary I'll be able to provide because this is stuff that's just, you know, not like she's showing herself to me on a daily basis or anything. Um, then the second class, uh, the other, I was thinking to <clears throat> divide it into, well, there's four. So First, her, her position and some of a description of her bodily form and whatnot. And then her qualities. And then her, uh, her friends. Oh, Malita, Vishaka, her, that get, that'll get into a discussion of the groups and um, her friends and how their type of love for her. And that'll include, of course, her maidservants and and then uh, some leelas um, that probably I will most likely draw from Govinda uh, Lilamrita um, for that. So that's kind of what I had in mind. Um, so just look at my notes here. I'll do, do a little uh, Mangala Charan. Om Ajnana Timirandhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namahan Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripasindubhya Evacha Patitanam Bhavanepyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yoga, Shikshartha Meka Purusha Purana, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Sharirathari, Kripam Budhiriyas Tamahang Prapadhyay, He Krishna Karuna Sindho, Dinabandho Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute, Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishuri, Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye. 
Okay, so, so in the Ujjvili Nilamaniya, as I mentioned, uh, chapter four, it's titled Krishna's Beloveds. And so um, Rupa Goswami is establishing the types of gopis that are Krishna's beloveds. And he talks about um, the different groups and whatnot. And at the beginning of the chapter, he says, it was said that Radha and Chandravali are the best among the leaders. Their groups contain 10 million gopis each. The scriptures say that the Rasa dance took place on the bank of the Yamuna with 1 billion gopis. So he's beginning to establish, well, he's already established that the, the, two, uh, the two primary gopis in all of Raja, Radha and Chandravali. Now, of course, they are uh, opposing segments of the gopi society. <laughs> um, and Chandravali being a, an expansion of Radha in order to draw out particular sentiments of Radha when Krishna goes with her uh, so in other words if krishna never if there were no competitor of radha then krishna would never be able to taste man because radha would never experience jealousy there would be no one to be jealous of if everyone was everyone in her group like the the ashtasakis um especially lalita and vishaka and whatnot even though they are competent to be group leaders and, and competitors to Radha, they don't, they're her friends and they don't want to be competitors with her. So they subordinate themselves voluntarily to her and they serve, they serve her meeting with Govinda. Chandravali does not do that. Chandravali is a direct competitor. And so her friends like Padma and Shaibya, they are, they're serving her and helping to arrange for the meetings with Chandravali. And so when Krishna goes with Chandravali and Radha finds out about it because she's been waiting not so patiently at the Kunj, the, 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 the scheduled meeting place that has been arranged earlier in the day, let's say, and then at night fall comes and she's waiting for Krishna and he's late, perhaps by a couple of hours. <laughs> and, then, and then he shows up with the signs of love all over his body. She gets quite upset. And so none of that would be possible if there were no Chandravali. So these two gopis, obviously, uh, since Chandravali is an expansion of Radha, it doesn't say it here, but it's, we know this from elsewhere, then as are most of the gopis, in fact, um, then we know that it's, it's uh, these two are, it's basically just another face of Radha for bringing out another flavor of love uh, between Radha and Krishna. So in text three, Rupa Goswami says, of the two, Radhika is far superior. She is the very form of Mahabhav and excels in all qualities. And In the commentary, Jiva Goswami quotes a very nice verse. Devi Krishna mai prokta radhika paradevata. Sarva lakshmi mai sarva kanti sammohini para. Radhika, 
filled with love for Krishna, is the devata of the mantra. She is the personification of all Lakshmis, the most beautiful and most attractive. So, her being the most attractive is established by the fact that Bhakti Devi, which is not different from her, as we know from Bhakti Rasampa Sindhu, Bhakti Devi is has the power, Sri Krishna Akarshini, to attract Sri Krishna himself. So that's powerful, considering that he is Krishna, all attractive. So if she has the power to attract the all attractive, then she is, in fact, the most attractive. Next verse, Radha, known as Gandharva, is said to excel all others in Gopal Tapani Upanishad. And she is described as being in the company of Madhava in the Rik Parishishta. Narada describes her as supreme in the Radha Mahatmya of Padma Purana. So here Rupa Goswami is referring to, um, it's interesting what he's done here. So he's writing this, this book, which for the Nilamani, which is, as Guru Maharaj has pointed out, the sequel to the, uh, to the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, of course, talks about the different types of Bhakti Rasa of Prajabhakti. And then when he describes Sringa Rasa, the technical name for Madhurya Rasa, or Krishna's uh, uh, conjugal love or romantic love, he doesn't go into it in a huge amount of detail in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And so he leaves that for this second book, which is specifically and solely about that rasa. And so, of course, at the time that he was writing this, the, uh, the Sampradaya was not really formed. This is what the Goswamis were doing with writing these types of books. And so here he's referring to the Upanishads and the Veda itself in order to establish the position of the Gaudiya deity, Radha. <laughs> um, so that, I mean, it's not difficult to figure out why, so that those uh, who had yet to un understand Radha's supremacy and Krishna's position as Bhagavan and whatnot, so that they could, he's giving some evidence that these Gaudiyas are not just, you know, worshiping this girl um, out of some sentiment that she is, <laughs> or um, philosophically speaking, unique. Um, so he quotes the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, which is uh, which is a Shruti. So it's an Upanishad. It's a little bit difficult to get around the statements of the Upanishads, even for those who are, who have a more of a smarter way of thinking. So he's, you know, Rupa Goswami, of course, being uh, highly learned and highly intelligent, <laughs> quotes the Shruti and then not even that, the Shruti and then the Veda itself, the Rig Parashishta is a supplement to the Rig Veda. And in which he says, well, where is it? Uh, ah. 
So in this Parishishta, the supplement into the Rig Veda, it says, Radhaya Madhavo Devo Madhavi Naiva Radhika Vibrajanti Janeshu A. Madhava resides with Radha. Radha resides with Madhava. So it's very interesting. That's right in the Rig Veda. You know, so people, some people argue, well, who is this, you know, Radha? She's not talked about in the scripture anywhere. Well, yeah, she is actually by name right here. Um, and then in Gopal Tapani Upanishad, Upanishad says, Tasam Madhye Shreshta Gandharva Hi Uvacha. So this is in the, the Uttara Tapani, the second half where the gopis are, the context is that the gopis are speaking with Dorvasa. So the best among the gopis, Radha spoke. So, and then Tanghi Mukhyam Vidhaya Purvam Anukritva Tushnim Asuhu, putting the chief gopi in front, the gopis then became silent. So they had crossed the river. They wanted to speak with Dorvasa. It's a whole long story. If you're familiar with the Gopal Tapani Upanishad, it's a it's a wonderful story. And so here, right, right here in the Upanishad, it's it's saying straight out that Radha is the chief of all the gopis. So difficult to uh, get around these types of statements. Um, not that I don't imagine and too many people are would try to, but. Um, so what Rupa Goswami here is doing, of course, is he's establishing that amongst all of Krishna's lovers, Radha is supreme. And then Rupa Goswami goes into an, uh, an interesting discussion of the fact that um, just as Radha, in text five, just as Radha is dear to Krishna, her kund is dear to him. Among all the gopis, Radha is dearest to him. So then there's a uh, in the commentary by Vishwanath Chakravarti, there's a discussion about Radha Kund, which is interesting, how it's non-different from her, and therefore it's very dear to Krishna. And we find that also in uh, Upadesh Amrita, in the final verse, or the end, the last couple of verses, where it's talking about Radha Kund as the best place to be, and Radha Kund as non-different from Radha herself. As in the in a similar way that we could say, well, uh, what is it that the Kalindi, the, uh, uh, the Jamuna River, is a manifestation of Vishaka, you know, that type of thing. Then Rupa Goswami says, it is explained in the Gotamiya Tantra that Radha is the essence of that great Shakti called Haladini, the best of all Shaktis. So of course, she's the she's the source of all shakti. She's, um, I mean, she she's the embodiment, I should say, of all shaktis. So Krishna is Shakti Man; he's the possessor of all shakti, and she's the personification of all shakti. And and so we learn here that the best of all the shaktis is Haladini that which gives bliss to Krishna. So his Sandini Shakti is that by which everything is manifest in the spiritual domain. That means the Dham itself, that means Krishna's form is all manifest by the Sandini Shakti. 
then the samvit shakti is that the cognizance by which there is no no by which there is no ignorance um, it's fully it's full full knowledge conscious knowledge but none of those that those two together would not be sufficient without Pladini, because that's what Krishna exists for, and that's what we all exist for, because we're, of course, made in God's image, as it were, according to the Christian tradition, and we agree <laughs> to some degree. Uh, we are made in God's image in that, in the same way that Krishna exists for love, so do we. So we may be very knowledgeable, that, that won't satisfy the heart. And so, Haladini, we take, when we chant our mantras and whatnot, we're taking shelter of Haladini Shakti, Hare Krishna. And by approaching Krishna through her, we can comprehensively satisfy him. Moving forward, Rupa Goswami says, Radha, the very form of the highest beauty, has 16 accoutrements and 12 ornaments. And then you get a description of them. She is the form of the highest beauty. She's Sushtu Kantasvarup. So Krishna himself is saying this first. Your hair is nicely curled. Your face has unsteady, long eyes. Your chest holds two firm breasts. Your waist is thin. Your shoulders are low. Your hands have pleasing jewel-like fingernails. Oh, Radha, this festival of beauty makes the three worlds tremble. <laughs> A very poetic description of Krishna, by Krishna of his beloved Radha. And then the 16 accoutrements. Radha shines with 16 accoutrements, that which are, she has a freshly bathed body, which of course is done by her uh, intimate sakis and, and manjuris assisting them. A pearl shining at the tip of her nose. A colored cloth, that would be a, most likely the cloth that goes over her head. A sash around her waist, a tied up braid, ear ornaments, anointed limbs, flowers in her hair, garland around her neck, lotus in her hand, betel nut in her mouth, musk dot on her chin, mascara on her eyes, patterns on her cheeks, lack on her feet, and tilak on her forehead. So anyone, anyone who's ever seen the deity of Radha would know what these are, um, or, or a picture of her where, it's, where she's been accurately depicted. Um, some of these are interesting um, that they have, uh, they directly play in the Leela, like some of them, well, they all do obviously, but in some ways, like, uh, for example, the, or is it the, the, she holds a toy Lotus, a play Lotus in her hand. And sometimes when Krishna's said something rude or whatnot, she'll beat him with it, <laughs> which demonstrates her, her love, which I don't want to get too much into today, we'll do, but we'll discuss it more later, but it's the, the Vamya nature, the oppositional defiant kind of love, which satisfies Krishna very much. 
um, in, in distinction to Chandravali's love, which is submissive. So she'll beat Krishna with her toy lotus when, when he's bad. <laughs> uh, a garland around her neck, of course, that is a manifestation of the love of her maidservants who are expert uh, in making garlands. And then they, uh, for those who are pursuing this, uh, the, the, the Bahavalas Rati, uh, the love of the the friends of Radha, known as the Manjuris, aka Manjuri Bhav, commonly known. Um, and then, in pursuit of that, um, there the, one can meditate. Uh, advanced devotees will meditate such that they are in their Manjuri Sarup, making a garland, and then handing it to Rupa Manjuri, and she or handing it to their their guru. Uh, their guru saki, their, in other words, uh, their guru in the form of a manjri, and then that gopi hands it to rupa manjri, and then she puts it on radha. It's also talked about the other way too, um, whereas uh, rupa manjri hands the practitioner a garland, and then they put it on directly. But I think more generally, it's thought of the other way around, where you're offering your 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 offering is going up the hierarchy, so to speak. And patterns on her cheeks. Um, so I, I've had the opportunity to worship uh, Radha Krishna deities at Saragrahi, and it's very, it's a wonderful service to be able to, to take a, a, a brush and uh, paints and whatnot and decorate put the, the quote unquote gopi dots on Krishna and on Radha's face. Um, and so, and these things that when when these are all combined together, we can we know the effect that they make. That that uh, all these things are are there uh, characteristics of her to attract Krishna's attention and to uh, please his senses and mind. So then, and interestingly, in the. <laughs> So about this verse of the 16 accoutrements that I just cited, uh, in Vishwanath Chakravarti's commentary, he says this verse is spoken by Subal to Krishna when he is returning to Raj in the evening and sees Radha in a garden. <laughs> in the next verse, the 12 ornaments. Radha shines like the sun with 12 ornaments, her shining crown jewel, her two gold earrings, so earrings, we might say, well, hold on. She had in the first, in this other verse, she had ear ornaments. And how is that different from earrings? So there's the earrings themselves that are pierced through the ear and hang. And then there's also these flower ornaments that go over the ear, whatnot. Uh, if, uh, if you've seen some of the pictures of these, of, of Radha when she's, fully decked out with all these flower ornaments. It's very ornate, actually. It's quite, quite opulent, even though it's all made from forest flowers and whatnot. It's still, it's not a simple dress. I mean, she's got all these chains and flowers and garlands. And <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not sure I would want to be dressed like that. It looks like it would be very heavy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, her gold belt, her medallions. She wears a, a medallion on her chest. Her two chakri shalakas, which 
Vishwanath Chakravarti mentions are worn on the upper part of the ears. Her two bracelets, her throat ornament, her rings on her fingers, her necklace, her armbands, her anklets made of jewels, and her dazzling toe rings. So a lot of these, uh, or these, uh, this description is here for uh, meditation, obviously. So um, I'm going over that so that we can, again, we're, we're, we're in this first installment of the series. We're going over Radha's more quote unquote physical characteristics uh, rather than her qualities, which we're going to get into next. Um, so that we can meditate on her form. And so at this point, I also, uh, it's not in, go, in the Govinda Vilamrita, but um, I wanted to talk about her lotus feet. So as we know, um, Krishna and Radha and Nityanandaram, they all have distinguishing markings on the bottoms, on the soles of their feet. And these are interesting because, well, first of all, we don't have them. And so that sets them apart from us and everybody else. But also the, the, these markings, they have meanings for us as sadhikas. So um, I found it to be a, an effective meditation at times when uh, to just uh, think about the different symbols on the lotus feet of Krishna or Radha or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and what they mean, and it can be very, very powerful uh, meditation and helpful to uh, absorb the mind. Um, so, getting older. So, Anurada's right foot. At the base of the big toe is a conch shell. Below the second and middle toe is a mountain. Below the mountain in the center toward the heel is a chariot and a fish on the heel. Beside the chariot on the inside edge of the foot is a shakti, a spear. There is a club on the other side of the chariot near the outer edge of the foot. Below the little toe is a sacrificial altar and below that is a jeweled earring. On her left foot, at the base of the big toe is a barley corn. Below the barley corn is a disc. And below that is an umbrella, and then a bracelet below that. An upcurving line starts in the middle of the foot and ends between the big toe and second toe. Below the middle toe is a lotus, and below that is a flag. Below the flag is a flower, and below that is a twig. On the heel is a beautiful half moon. An elephant goad rests below the little toe. In this way, the 19 auspicious markings of Shimati Radhika's feet are eternally remembered. And so these are these markings obviously are unique to Sri Radha, just like, well, some of them are, Krishna has some of the same on his feet too. Um, some of them are only on hers. Um, but we'll recall that during the Rasalila when Krishna and uh, when Radha and Krishna had left, 
the Rasa dance. And the gopis were searching for them in the forest. They came across footprints. And they saw these footprints. And of course, Radha's group, knowing her feet very well, saw these and saw these markings and they knew that it was Radha that was that it was with that was with Krishna. Now, of course, um, different descriptions are there as to who actually was some people's some say that uh, or there's a couple of ways to look at it some say that chandravali was the one saying that it was that it was uh radha or that, that this gopi has worshipped krishna better than the rest of us therefore that is why he took her or or it could be that it was her group and in either case they saw these footprints and they knew it was radha because i mean who else has got feet like that right so I want to talk a little bit about the meanings of these symbols because they're, uh, as I said, they're they're very powerful in terms of uh, meditating on on the lotus feet. So the conch shell. Now this is both on Radha and Krishna's feet. The conch shell is a symbol of victory, just like in, uh, in the Mahabharat when Krishna and Arjun blow their conch shells before the at the onset of the, the battle signifying their victory. It proclaims victory that those who take shelter of Radha Govinda's lotus feet are always saved from all distress and are awarded with fearlessness. And as the conch shell holds water for bathing the divine couple, their lotus feet contain divine amrit that extinguishes the blazing fire of the material miseries of the devotees. So even one of these, uh, the way I would generally do it, I mean, I, I can't just uh, hold all 19 symbols in my mind at once. So I, you know, think about one, like, for example, think about the conch shell and just, that's uh, just that alone is a, a whole meditation. Or the flag, which announces security and protection from fear for devotees meditating on their lotus feet. Also, the flag on Radha's feet proclaims supreme victory of her sakis. So this is a way of saying that Radha's group, Radha and her group, are um, they stand above all the other groups of gopis, the, the billion gopis at the Rasa dance. And so the fish. As fish cannot exist without water, Devotees cannot live for a moment without the lotus feet of Radha Shamasundar. On Radha's foot, it indicates she cannot live a moment without her beloved Sham. So, with regard to sadhakas, the fickle mind resembles a fish. So one must diligently practice meditation to fix the lotus feet of Radha Govinda in the heart. The lotus flower. The nectar-filled lotus creates greed for praying in the minds of the bee-like devotees who meditate on the lotus feet of Radha Govinda. The lotus is a symbol of Lakshmi Devi. It indicates that devotees who remember Radha Govinda's lotus feet will always be fortunate and successful. Now, fortunate and successful, of course, means spiritually, doesn't necessarily mean materially. We need to keep that in mind because <laughs> We might be thinking, oh, I've been meditating on Radha and Krishna's lotus feet for a long time here, and I'm poor. Why is that? 
internally rich, externally maybe poor, maybe not. And moreover, the lotus feet of Radha Sham are so soft that it can be, they can only be compared to lotus petals. And the bow. The bow, uh, this mark reveals that those who take shelter of the lotus feet, oh, this, excuse me, that's Krishna. The goad, the goad is a, a tool used by elephant herders. So it kind of has like a hook on it and they use it to prod the elephant to then steer the elephant while they're riding on them. So this goad, it denotes that meditation on Radha Govinda's lotus feet brings the elephant of the devotee's minds under control and keeps them on the right path. On Radha's foot, the goad shows that Radha and only Radha can completely control the mad elephant hero named Krishna. <laughs> so a couple of things there. So yes, the, the mind is compared to an elephant. Elephants are really strong. Um, I've seen videos of elephants like flipping a car just with a toss of their head, stick the tusk in and, you know, flip a car over. That's a strong animal. And so if we think we're going to overpower the, the mind, the elephant of the mind through strength, we are deluding ourselves. And so we take shelter of the feet of Radha and Govinda, and specifically here of Radha, for, and we pray for help with that. And then, of course, on a more developed stage, we can meditate on the fact that only Radha can, can, can uh, control the mad elephant hero named Krishna. So oftentimes we'll find in the Shastras that the, uh, the hero, Krishna, in his romantic life is compared to a bull elephant with his entourage of female elephants around him. It's one of those examples given from, you know, from Indian life experience, which here in the West, we may go, okay, um, that's a little odd, but okay. Um, because I've never seen a herd of elephants. So, um, but it kind of gives you an idea of just these powerful beings, and how they interact. The next symbol is the barley corn. Uh, barley corn. Barley is a grain, of course, and so um, a barley corn signifies that devotees receive all enjoyable opulence by serving the lotus feet of Radha Govinda. Also, once one finds shelter at their feet, then the devotee's journey through many births and deaths is cut very short, just like the grain of barley is cut off. As barley grains sustain life for living beings, similarly, the glorious lotus feet of Radha Sham are the fullest nourishment for all souls. So as we can see that any one of these um, symbols we can derive quite a bit from, like the idea of nourishment, um, we're, we're continually searching out nourishment in, in the material world because we have to, uh, to sustain our bodies. And yet true nourishment comes from um, from the, the realm of consciousness. It doesn't come from the external realm. In fact, there's even a really uh, beautiful statement by Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami in the Govinda Lilamrita, where he mentions that this poem, this, uh, the, uh, this uh, Lila, this eightfold Lila of Radha Madhava, 
can it nourishes not only the soul but it can nourish even the body <laughs> by which i take it to mean that an advanced devotee can basically um oh who, a person who is really absorbed in the leelas is deriving an energy from that side they're they're living under the influence of and energized by the sroop shakti um, rather than the Maya Shakti. So the Maya Shakti takes energy from the soul, it covers the soul and deadens us, makes the soul more like it, or tries to, it makes the mind like it. Uh, Maya Shakti is a, a dead thing, it's inert. And it's it's kind of like a, a wind up watch. <laughs> and so you, you, you know, those old kind of clocks where you wind them up and then they go by themselves for a while, but they're set in motion by God. So the, the Maya Shakti is set in motion, but it's like a machine. And so identifying with it makes us more, more robot-like, uh, less spontaneous, less able to feel, less able to be compassionate. The more, more we identify with it, the more animal-like we become. And on the other side, the more we identify with the... the Sarup Shakti, and in particular here, the Haladini Shakti of Radha, the more blissful we become, and the less we will need from the material side. So it's an interesting idea that, uh, and, and I've seen it practically, uh, and we've, uh, with someone like Guru Maharaj, where he just, he has this, uh, clearly has this uh, connection that is deep enough that he has a source of energy that uh, just is astounding for, you know, even for young people to keep up with. Um, and Prabhupada was the same way from all the descriptions that I've read about him that, <clears throat> excuse me, his disciples had a very, very difficult time keeping up with him. And they, in fact, they couldn't keep up with his schedule. He was just constantly, you know, doing something. He slept far less than any of them. And yet he would, be busier during the day than pretty much everybody else. And it's like, where does this energy come from? Or uh, uh, I was recently reading about the, uh, a book called The Saints of Raj by Dr. Kapoor, and this, the description of these people, how they lived, how they conducted themselves. They get up at two in the morning and chant Japa until two in the afternoon. And then hear Harikata or read the Bhagavatam until the evening go out for madukari in the evening, beg a little something, eat it, go to sleep and start again. You know, um, you've got to be getting something serious. There's got to be some serious Shakti coming your way from the name in order to be able to do that and maintain it. You know, do it one day, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, once in a while, if we stay up all night, uh, chanting for a Kadashi, for example, or something like that. You know, an ordinary sadhaka can handle that for one night, and then it'll take you three days to recover. <laughs> but to do that every single day, that is another thing altogether. So, but at the same time, it's, it, it, it's uh, it, the example of these people uh, gives us some hope that, okay, that's, that can be in our future. May not be this birth, but that can be in our future. That will be so absorbed that we're able to do that and moving onward so the next um, 
next symbol or the next marking, auspicious marking on Radha's feet is the altar. And this mark proclaims that the sins of those who meditate on Radha's feet are burned up as if on the altar of sacrifice. Hmm. Nice meditation. Furthermore, it indicates that just as the universe is nourished by the Brahmins offering fire sacrifices, similarly, those who offer their minds in sacrifice to Radha's feet become fully enriched and nourished in devotion. It also denotes that the eternal loving service of Sri Radha's sweet lotus feet is the ultimate goal of all tapa, vrat, dan, and yagyas. That brings to mind uh, that song by Narottam Thakur, uh, Sri Rupa Manjari Para, where he says, say vrat, say tap, say more. Uh, you know, the, her feet are as the, the culmination of all my vows, all my austerity, all my practice are have her lotus feet as our goal. Uh, the next marking is the half moon, which signifies that demigods like Lord Shiva have decorated their own heads with the soles of Radha Govinda's lotus feet. Very interesting. So that's a, an indirect way of saying who is actually supreme. If, you know, if you're carrying someone's lotus feet on your head, they're, you're considering yourself subordinate to them. Just as the moon showers nectar with its cooling rays, similarly, the soothing lotus feet of Radha Sham shower nectar upon their devotees which extinguishes the threefold material miseries. So as we'll hear, we can see that there's, uh, between these different markings, there's quite a bit of overlap. The general, general theme being that destroys material miseries, destroys our karma, whatnot. So that the devotees' minds may reside at their feet, Radha Govinda bear the symbol of the moon, which is the presiding deity of the mind. It means that the real moon has shriveled up in shame and appears in half form before the splendors, full moons of their lustrous toenails. <laughs> nice poetic description. And then uh, the upcurving lines. So these, uh, all the ones we've been going through so far, with the exception of the altar, these are both on Radha and Krishna's feet. And then later on, we'll get into, there's a number of them that are just on Radha's feet. The upcurving line signifies that the devotees who cling to the lotus feet of Radha Sham, as if holding to a lifeline, will be transported to the spiritual world. It indicates that the path to Radha Govinda is very direct, straight and narrow. And then the disc, the chakra, indicates that meditation upon the lotus feet of Radha Sham cuts down the six enemies of lust, anger, greed, illusion, pride and envy. It indicates Tejas Tattva, or the principle of brilliance by which Radha Govinda destroyed the darkness of sin from within the hearts of their devotees. 
Furthermore, this mark on Radha's foot shows that she is the ruler of her own kingdom formed by the circle of Brajamandal. <laughs> That's a nice meditation. That's one of my favorites. The umbrella proves that those who take shelter of their lotus feet, Radha Krishna, are protected from the incessant rainfall of material miseries. <laughs> on Radha's feet, the umbrella indicates that her lotus feet provide relief to her beloved from the scorching heat felt in her separation. The chariot on Radha's foot shows that the chariot of the mind can be easily controlled by fixing it on her lotus feet. It indicates that Krishna is so merciful to his devotees that he even becomes a chariot driver for them. Whoever keeps his mind or her mind on the chariot of Radha's feet emerges victorious in the battle with Maya. The club, this mark, this mark shows that Radha's feet can chastise the elephant of sinful lust. So this, of course, brings to mind the verse, Vikriditam uh, Rajapadu in the Bhagavatam where it says that meditation on the leelas of Radha and Krishna and the gopis destroys material lust within the heart. The earring shows that Krishna's ear always listens to the tinkling sound of Radha's charming ankle bells, the melodious sound of her voice, the sweet rhythms of her love poems, and the intoxicating ragas of her veena. The mountain reveals that even though Giri Govardhan is worshipped by all of Raj as the best of mountains, still Govardhan Hill in turn especially serves the lotus feet of Radhika. So Govardhan, of course, is an important Leela Stali for the, uh, the, the pastimes of Radha and Madhava. Um, they, um, okay. <clears throat> excuse me, the caves on Govardhan are well known to be places of, um, of uh, retreat for Radha Madhava when they want to be alone. And of course, there's that famous description of Govardhan, how he provides all of the necessities for the worship of Radha and Krishna. The bracelet indicates that Radha's feet are always present in Krishna's hands massaging them when he is, when she is in Man. The Shakti represents a spear. For those who take shelter of Radha, Radha, her feet immediately appear to slash all the miserable bonds of mundane life. It means that Sri Radha is the source and reservoir of unlimited Shakti, Sarva Shakti Mayi. So again, if, we're, if we meditate on Radha as the source of Shakti, when we're chanting the name, then eventually some Shakti will start to come to us. We get the, we get the power of the Shakti to overcome our bad habits. Poder para sobrepasar el mundo flower de ella. La, la flor. shows that the divine fame of Radha's feet spreads everywhere, just like the fragrance of a flower. It also shows that Radha's feet are not hard, but soft as flower petals. 
the creeper, the uh, growing vine. This mark symbolizes how the desire creeper of the devotees continue to grow until continues to grow until it gradually takes shelter at Radha's feet. It shows that Radha's feet are found in the forest of Vrindavan. It also indicates that Radha's feet wander amidst the many kunjas and vine-laden vine-laden kunjamandirs scattered throughout Vraj. It proves that Radhika is the supreme goddess of herbal medicine and that her feet are the ideal medicine for curing the disease of materialism. It means that Radha is like a creeper wrapping around the tamal tree known as Krishna. Intelligent devotees will hold on to Radha's lotus feet just as a creeper firmly grasps whatever it ascends. So this brings to mind that Radha is the is expert in all the 64 arts, one of which I would assume would be herbal medicine. Um, so, so that's that's all of the markings on Shirata's lotus feet, which um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, can be a very powerful form of meditation. Um, just, just that, and interestingly, uh, one thing I've noticed in Srila Prabhupada's uh, writings is that he would emphasize just meditating on the lotus feet of Krishna. Obviously, Radha Krishna or or Nityananda as or uh, Krishna Balaram as one's, depending on one's mood. But he emphasized the lotus feet a lot. And in my early early years, I never really figured that out. I never really got it. It's like okay, yeah, yeah. And by that, I always took it to mean just keeping your mind on Krishna, but he specifically meant the feet. And um, and uh, it was some years before I took that to heart and I actually did meditate. Uh, I, I found this this description and sometimes you'll see the actual drawings of their feet where, with the symbols on them. And, um, and, and uh, did some meditation on, the, on their lotus feet and I found it to be like I said, uh, powerful and uh, inspiring, massively inspiring to think of all these different symbols and what they mean, what what is uh, what is happening to us <laughs> while we meditate on those on their feet. That these all these auspicious characteristics are influencing us and uh, purifying us in the course of our meditation. So that's about as far as I wanted to go today. And um, we have a few minutes. I guess I will ask for questions if there are any. I see one here. It's in Spanish, which I do not know well enough to translate. Oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. No problem. Um, anybody have any questions? I mean, it 
it's probably not a lot. It's not like a or comments, not just questions, comments, anything particularly stand out and what we've heard today so far that's particularly inspiring. I like that she has a chakra on her feet. Yeah, yeah, the chakra. So that's interesting. You know, Jagannath, they've got the, the chakra. Jagannath is on the top of the temple, but it's on her foot. I don't know if that's meaningful or not, but <laughs> yeah, I like, you know, the chakra, like we hear about the chakra, how powerful it is in, in the, the Leela of Ambarish Maharaj <laughs> and how you can't escape the chakra. But if it's on your side, wow, you're in good shape. So um, yeah, I like that one as a, as a meditation. Thank you. Well, thank you all for listening to me read out of the books, which, you know, um, any of you could do, but I have the pleasure of being able to do it for you. <laughs> uh, so next time we will get into the qualities, the 25 qualities of Radha. And this is still in chapter four of Ujjalini Lamani. Um, so we're, we'll be moving from more of the so-called physical characteristics into her qualities. In other words, the qualities are gonna, uh, qualities are a description or a meditation on what she's like as a person. And, and then from there, we'll get into the type of love she has and then her friends and whatnot. So um, stay tuned and we'll see you next week. Thanks everybody for tuning in and have a great day. Shri Manchita Hari Prabhu ki jai. Jai. Jai ho. Vaishnav Gona ki jai.